The opinions and views you're about to hear in this podcast are the opinions and views of the host and the host alone. They are not a reflection of his department or any other organization that he is a member of. The host does not speak for anybody, only himself. This is the I Am Pith Podcast. Get ready for contact. because you got to help each other get off the floor. I'm now. when the towers fell in high school I believe it was my sophomore year at home faking sick from school and I want to go to class and when I woke up and cut the TV on I knew then and there that the America I called home that the world that I lived in as I knew it was no more you know, I still remember the sights and sounds and the videos of People jumping from the World Trade Center to their death. And the towers crashing down. And that giant plume of smoke chasing people through the streets of New York City. And just people covered in dust. The firefighters and the police officers. And then days later, I remember watching the news and still, you know, just seeing the smoke coming from New York City. That tall billow of smoke just hanging over 
New York City. Oh, you, you could just see it from for miles. It just crushed my soul. 9-11 was, that's my generation's Pearl Harbor. Now, if you ask anybody from Pearl Harbor that where they were during Pearl Harbor, they can tell you exactly where they were. And it's the same for us in this generation with 9-11. No, but I find it so funny that we... You know, we call the generation that fought World War II the, you know, the greatest generation. You know, but they call our generation, you know, soft millennials and we whine and we complain. Let's be honest, a lot of that is true. However, my generation, we have fought this country's longest war, 20 years. And now this is not to crap on anybody that fought World War II because what those men and women did, then they saved the world and they... They fought. See, they fought for four years straight and continuous. We have people that have fought in the war on terror that have been deployed almost every year since this thing started. We have been at war for 20 years. We have soldiers that have been, that have made at least six, seven, eight, nine, ten combat deployments with a lot of trigger time. So when people call, you know, say, we're the worst generation that's ever, you know, lived and the most whiniest and complainest. I always have to remind people, it's my generation that has fought this country's longest war. Don't forget that. Like I say it's not to step on World War II guys or the people in Vietnam, but our generation has been at war for 20 years. There are people serving now who were kids and now they have kids and their kids are now serving in the same war. I saw the other day where the American troops have officially pulled out of Afghanistan. Of course, there's a small contingent of Americans still left there. And the same with Iraq. But it just stirred up a lot of feelings in me and just a whole lot of questions. And 20 years and now all of a sudden, just a snap of the fingers is it's pretty much over. And, you know, you got to wonder, like, what's next? Now, I remember... After the towers fell, you know, and listen to that speech from George Bush with the bullhorn. Man, it was so powerful. It's so powerful. It's like I said, it still radiates within me when I hear it. It gets me excited, you know, but it also gets me sad because I think of the 20 years after that speech and the lives lost, man. And we lost a lot as a country. We've lost a lot of people over 20 years, a lot of families torn apart. And not just us, Americans, you know, you got to think about the civilians in these countries we've been at war at and the numbers of civilian innocents, you know, lost during this war in this 20 year period. I remember the invasion, the invasion into Afghanistan, coming home every day after school and watching it. Just Operation Anaconda, you know, the Navy SEALs going in there, U.S. Army Special Forces going into Afghanistan, just seeing the American war machine in real time was amazing man absolutely amazing and i still remember watching the news and hearing of the first american casualty over in afghanistan i believe it was a cia agent named johnny mike span he was killed in afghanistan after the uh taliban prisoners got loose and they killed him in the prison you know and i remember when we invaded iraq in 2003 in march of 2003 so funny. <laughs> I remember sitting there watching the invasion. I get up every morning, cut on the news, watch news about the invasion, see the videos of the troops training and getting ready to cross the berm into Iraq. And I just kept thinking, this sucks, man. I should be there. Oh my God, I'm going to miss the war. I was so concerned that 
there wasn't going to be any left for Dexter Pitts to go and get some. Lo and behold, 19 years later, we were still there. And like I said, I believe now we still have small contingents of U.S. soldiers in Iraq. Yes, they're not actively involved in firefights and combat operations, but you know we do still have a presence there. And you know, I remember hearing of the first American casualty during the war in Iraq. It was a U.S. Marine Corps Lance Corporal named Jose Gutierrez. He was 22 years old, man. He was killed on March 21st, 2003, by enemy fire. Notes 20 years, 20 years later, but not just 20 years later, it's 7,000 lives later, 7,000 mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, lives, American lives, just gone, lost. I mean, how many kids have had their fathers or mothers taken from them? How many mothers have and fathers have lost their sons or daughters? And over 50,000 Americans wounded. 50,000, man. And I know what some people are thinking. And it was one of my first thoughts as well. Hey, when I started looking at the numbers of the people killed and wounded in Iraq and Afghanistan and the war on terror. These are numbers now. They are minute. They are nothing compared to the numbers of soldiers killed in like Vietnam, World War II, and World War I and other conflicts. It's, it, our numbers are so small. Ever, don't take that as a disrespect when I say that our numbers are small. Because every life lost in this war is a life that is special. It was a life that was loved and cared for by somebody. I'm not going to sit here, sit here and say that the war I fought in was not a real war. Or we don't know what real warfare is and all this. But because we haven't lost the amount of lives that the generation that fought in Vietnam lost or World War II We've lost a lot of lives, but in the grand scheme of things, compared to those guys, yeah, we, we're fortunate. But still, 7,000 lives is a lot of lives. <clears throat> Don't sit here and tell somebody that lost a son or a daughter or a husband or a father or a mother over there that, you know, it's, it's a small number and not put into context. You know, it is a small number, but that one life was a big thing to that person or that family. So I said, I don't want to make it seem like I'm crapping on ours, our numbers and saying that, hey, you know, our war is nothing because that's not true. You know, I bear the scars mentally and physically to show how tough the war on terror was and how many lives have been affected by it over and over. And not just that, man, I was looking at the numbers. We have spent over five point six trillion dollars to fight this war, this never ending war, this forever war. And it's it's a lot of money, you know. And but like I said, it's not, it's not even really about the money. To me, it's about the lives lost. And you know, I remember after I got hurt in Iraq and I was at Walter Reed, I went to Arlington Cemetery because they had this exhibit there called Faces of the Fallen. And I remember going and looking at the exhibit, and I had names in my head of people that had died in Iraq. And I wanted to go see their painting that somebody had made of this, these people. And the first one I wanted to see was Deshaun Ote. He graduated high school with me. And he was killed in Iraq in 2004, just before I crossed the berm. It was a couple of days before that. And he, he was killed in action. And, and then a little bit after I was in country, a guy I used to go to church with 
brother Gary Vallant. He was killed by an IED in Iraq a couple months after I got there. You know, and I remember going and looking at all the faces of the fallen that this artist had painted of all the men and women that have died in service to our country during America's latest conflict. And, and it, the wall just, it ran forever with picture after picture after picture. Man, it it was so emotional. And I'm limping around this place after having gotten blown up and survived. And looking at all the pictures and faces of these people that are no longer here. You know, it was a humbling experience because it made me wonder like, dude, how am I still alive? Why am I still alive? Why am I still here when all of these other people were not as fortunate as me? And I was complaining about having my arm, you know, damaged and mangled and wrecked, but yet I was still alive. You know, but as I think about all this stuff, one thing always comes to mind, and it's one thing that anybody that has fought in a war always questions and always wonders. After 20 years, 7,000 lives, 50,000 wounds, and $5.6 trillion, was it all worth it? You know, that's, that's a hard thing for me to answer. Oh, I don't know. It's hard for me to say. And I tell people I'm not ashamed. I'm conflicted. You know, we have to look at, is America better and safer than it was when we went to war? I do know one thing, you know, it's hard for me to answer those questions, but I can definitely say that the America we are living in now is not the same America that I was so passionate and gung-ho about and wanted to go fight and kill the people that attacked us. This is not the same America. The America that I went to war for in 2004, it's a shell of itself. And, you know, here we are tearing ourselves apart. I hate to say on the verge of a civil war, but it's what we have going on in this country right now. I just saw an article that said race relations are at a 20-year low in our country. You know, and it's like we're we're traveling backwards, man. And that disturbs me and that bothers me when I think about all the sacrifices that have been made by men and women I know personally and seeing how their families have been affected by their loss in war. You know, and that's why it's hard for me to say, was it worth it? You know, thinking about it and where we are now, what have we gained from the war? I can't think of anything we've really gained, but I can tell you a lot of what we lost. A lot of lives, a lot of money, and our identity as a nation, because right now it seems like we don't have an identity. It was weird when I was watching that video the other day of the Taliban in Afghanistan. They went into a, a base in Afghanistan that used to be held by the U.S. And they were in there working out on all the U.S. equipment. They had free reign at this base. And it just brought some feelings to me like, you know, like, was it worth it? And I just still, I've not been able to answer that question. I don't know. I really don't. I saw a video the other day as well of the Taliban. They captured 20 Afghan special operations soldiers, 20 of them. And they executed every last one of these guys. And they knew they could because the Americans were no longer there. The Americans were gone. And I mean, they just slaughtered these dudes. Yo. It just, oh man, it was hard to watch. And usually I can watch any type of video, but it was that was hard to watch. You know, and I'm sure I can't imagine what those guys were thinking after, you know, spending all these years fighting for their country and, you know, having the support and back of America. 
You know, the next thing you know, you turn around, they go to the base and they like, hey, where's the Americans? Oh, all the Americans are gone. And now the Taliban is taking back over the country and the Taliban is doing what it has always done. It is controlling everything. You know, the one thing we have to remember is this. This is the problem with America. We are one of the world's greatest. No, not one of. We are the world's greatest military, one the world's greatest country. No question. We have the technology. We have all that. We got the money. We got the people to fight. But there's one thing that we lack in this country that groups like the Taliban or the Viet Cong. There's one thing that we lack that they have. Fortitude, man. See, we live from election to election. We live for the next four, five to ten years. See, people like the Taliban and when we were fighting in Vietnam, the Vietnamese, the Viet Cong. See, they're playing the long game. They're playing 25, 50, 100 years down the road. They have plans for war for 100 years plus. They have war plans for generational wars. And they're not going to go away. And you know what they did to us? The Taliban? They waited us out. Absolutely, they waited us out. They did the same thing with the Russians back in the 80s. They waited, they waited them out. And guess what? Lo and behold, nobody has ever been able to conquer Afghanistan. Because, like I said, they live with a hundred year plan. They don't just, you know, plan for the next election. No, 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 no. They live prepared to sacrifice their lives, their children's lives, their grandchildren's lives, and so on and so on and so on until they have what they want. And they just waited us out. And that's one thing that we do not have in this country. America does not have the stomach for bloodshed like we used to. Man, back in World War II, man, this country went to war. Man, we lost hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, millions of people across the world died. But we had people in this country during World War II that were going and killing themselves because they were not able to fight in the war. And they were and they felt shame behind that. We don't have that now. We have a contingent of people in this country that want nothing to do with war. They don't want to do any. They don't want to serve. They don't want nothing to do with the military. And I understand that. You know, that's why I'm proud that we have. And that's why I'm proud that we have an all volunteer force. Nobody's forced into the service here. Nobody was forced to serve the last 20 years. That has been your individual call. Because you felt led to serve your country. And you felt led to fight in the war on terror because of 9-11. But as I stated before, we do not, in this country, we don't have the stomach for bloodshed. And that has been shown and proven time and time again. And our enemies know that, very well aware of that. And they know they just have to kill a couple of us here and there, send the bodies back home, let the media see it, and then... It'll spread throughout the country. And next thing you know, we'll have anti-war protests. And next thing you know, it's all about politics with war, man. If they can turn the political tide and show the will of the people to not want to shed blood, America will back down. And that has been the case time and time again, especially since Vietnam. You know, we, we don't like spilling blood. And none of us should like spilling blood. I don't know any person that... Wakes up and just wants a war. Well, that's not correct. I can say, I believe, it's not the people that ever want war. It's never the people. It's the politicians. 
and it's the governments. People don't want war. People want to be left alone and be free to live their lives in peace. But the problem is, there are people in this world that want more money and want more power. And what's the best way to achieve that sometimes? War. War is big money. So, you know, people always ask, why did these wars start? And now I'm not going to go down the road of the conspiracy theorists that say, you know, 9-11 was an inside job and the government planned this to go to war, blah, 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 blah. Why were the Bin Ladens on a plane? I don't know any of that stuff. I don't know answers for none of this stuff. You know, I say, you show me anything that has happened in this country, you can find a conspiracy to attach to it. However, like I always say, I do believe there's always some sort of truth to our to conspiracy theories in this country. How far the truth is, where the truth ends, and where the conspiracy begins, I don't know. I really don't know. But I'm not going to sit here and play into the whole 9-11 was an inside job and all that. I'm, I'm just not. But I will say that, you know, I know, I know why we went to Afghanistan in the wake of 9-11. Because our country was attacked. And, hey, we got to go deal some depth to these bastards. You know, they killed 3,000 Americans on our own soil. They flew planes into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. And they had other plans, but lo and behold, they didn't work out. I mean, not just after that. There's other attacks on a country afterwards. I'm sure everybody remembers Richard Reeve, the shoe bomber. You know, then we had the San Bernardino incident. I mean, how many other small little attacks that were planned but were never carried out, thank God, due to our intelligence agencies and our local and our law enforcement agencies in this country. Yet, these are the people we want to defend, but I'm not going to get off into rabbit trails on that. <laughs> I can go for days on that, y'all know, but I'm not, you know. And, it, and we have to ask ourselves, did the government lie to get us into Iraq about Saddam Hussein having weapons of mass destructions? You know, 20 years later, you know, it's from the, what I've seen and know now, it does seem like the military, the government made up facts to get us into a war with Iraq. I can't I can't dispute that. You know, we went for weapons of mass destructions and what did we come out with? We didn't find any weapons of mass destruction. There was nothing there. It was a big nothing burger. You know, we see that now. However, one thing I don't like and I cannot and will not stand for is letting politicians these greedy rich people who want more money and more power is them Stealing my honor and the honor of my fallen brothers and the sacrifices that have been made on our behalf. So regardless of the U.S. government and these politicians, you know, creating this war in Iraq and Afghanistan, what, what, regardless of what anybody thinks, I know why I signed up to serve. I know why the men, the men and women I signed up with as well, why they signed up to go serve. See, all those facts that we didn't know then, it does not change my heart and my mind where it was at the time. All I knew was that my country was under attack and that I wanted to go and fight. I had no clue about all this other stuff going on. And even when I got into the military and I picked up a rifle and I was in a Humvee and we crossed the Burma to Iraq, still all of that stuff that might have been that people are saying that the government did, none of that mattered to me in the moment. 
You see, I have to tell people, I was only a PFC when I was in the Army, a private first class at E3. I didn't have the perspective that maybe my lieutenant had or my squad leader or captain or colonel or the people fighting this war. I could only see the war through my scope of my rifle. My war was only about 3,000 meters from the edge of my barrel to whatever target I was aiming at. That's, that was the span of my war. I wasn't looking at the big picture. I was looking at the small picture. My war was only 3,000 meters, 360 degrees around me. And in that 360 meters around me were the men that I served with, that I cared about, that I loved, that I wanted to make sure they got home and I got home as well. See, that was my war. So all the other stuff that happened outside of that with politics, that had nothing to do with me. I didn't have an understanding of it then, and I barely have an understanding of it now. But I just know that in my war, my 3,000 meter war, I wanted to make sure that my friends got back alive and nobody got hurt. I didn't care about the politics. I didn't care about none of that. I didn't care about, you know, KBR and Halliburton making all this money. None of that mattered to me. I just want to take care of my buddies and make sure that we all came home alive. And thankfully, from Alpha Company, we all came home alive. Some of us had did sustain injuries. Staff Sergeant Wells, he was shot in the head by a sniper. Me, I think I was maybe like the second worst wounded person in the company with my injuries to my arm. Thank God we all made it back. It was a different story for Bravo Company. They got decimated that year, man, in 04 and 05 in Iraq and Sauter City. It was a rough deployment for those boys, you know. But like I said, I cannot let the things that I cannot control detract from my honor and the sacrifices of my brothers. I just can't do it. So regardless if people say these wars are just or not, I don't know. Man, when you're in a foxhole at night, and you don't know where the enemy's coming from, or you're set up in a patrol base, and you don't know where the attack is going to come from, you don't care about who's in office. You don't care about who sent you to war, who voted for war. You just know that you're there, and that there are people that want to kill you. And there are people that you want to kill. You don't think about all that stuff. You just want to get home safe. You just want to get back home to your family. That's all I wanted. You know, but like I said, I did, I did want to go fight because I felt like it was my duty as an American after seeing 9-11 and just seeing the sights and sounds from that day. I will never forget it, man. Never forget it. It just struck, struck a chord in me. And I just could not let this war pass by and me not have left a footprint in it. I just couldn't do it. And you know what happens with war? You know, the rich continue to get richer. Yeah, Halliburton and KBR, they made a ton of money. They did, but that does not take away from my honor and the glory that I had as a soldier in Iraq. And I will never be ashamed of my service or anything I did. I stand behind everything I did over in Iraq. And I will let no one take that away from me because I did it with, I went to war with a pure heart, with pure intentions. I can't let somebody else's evil intentions detract from me and what I've done, and I won't do it. I won't do it. I never will. And it's so funny, you know, it's back to the point that I said earlier. It's never the people that want war. You can ask the people in Iraq if they wanted war at the time. Even being under Saddam, people probably have been like, no, I don't want war. 
most Americans, we didn't want 9-11 to happen. We were living good lives, man. I mean, growing up in the 90s and the 2000s, man, it was freaking awesome. But we got pulled into this war because of a small group of people who wanted to instill fear in America and bring down the American giant. Most people don't want war. I can tell you right now, if you take an average American and you take an average person from like Russia or China, Africa or somewhere, you know, Australia, and you put them in a room, they'll probably all eventually come to the conclusion that they want the same thing. They want to be left alone, live their lives and take care of and be with their families. Nobody wants to be ripped away from their life, their wife, their kids, their mom, their dad, their studies, their jobs. To go sit in a foxhole and freeze to death or sit in a patrol base out in the middle of the desert and sweating your ass off, getting sand all up in your crack and, I mean, just sleeping on rocks, sleeping on the ground. Nobody wants to do that stuff. We all want to live nice, quiet, comfortable lives. And that's why I say it is never the people that want war. It's only their leaders and the government. We don't want to be pulled from our homes for your political gain. But we have to remember that as long as we are alive and as long as we're on this earth, there will always be people who seek to exploit peace in our world and peace in our lives for their own personal gain and political gain. That will always be the case. There will never be a time where there will not be some sort of conflict or some sort of issue brewing between governments and nations and people. That is just human nature. That's just people. Since the beginning of time, there has been war. And until the end of time, there will be war. You know, I think we have to realize that peace is an illusion, man. It is an absolute illusion. We always talk about peace. We all want peace. Like I say, most people, the average person wants peace. But governments and politicians don't want peace. Because in peace, in unity, there's no money to be made. There's always somebody that's got to be a little bit better than the other person. Somebody that's always got to have a little bit more. And because of that, there's always going to be war. We can't just ever leave good enough alone. And there's always a struggle for power. America has been around for 245 years. That's really not that long. But guess what? Out of those 245 years... America has been at peace for only 15 of those years. There's always been some sort of war, some sort of conflict, or something brewing where young men and women have to leave their homes, pick up a rifle, and go fight and take a life. Be away from their family for countless days and nights and endure the battlefield. And not just that, when they leave the battlefield and go home, the battlefield comes back with them and their life is completely completely changed and altered 15 years of peace we have experienced in this country that's why i say peace is an illusion it's not real we all want peace i want peace i want to live in peace i've had my fair share of war chaos and destruction you know not just in iraq but also in the streets as a police officer i'm tired i'm tired of the chaos but like i say a piece of me still likes it and enjoys it a little bit of chaos makes me feel alive, but when I'm not at work, I want to live in peace. I want to be left alone to raise my family and love on my wife and my kids. That's what I want. 
But as long as there are governments and evil men in this world, there will always be war. I saw this quote the other day. It said, if there must be trouble, let it be in my time so that my kids can know peace. And I was like, man, that's a great quote. That's an awesome quote. That's a feel-good quote. Although it's a quote that is not true. Of course, yes. I want my kids to live in peace. And if there's going to be trouble, let it be in my time. So that my kids don't have to know war. But that is an illusion. Because, as Plato once said, only the dead have seen the end of war. And you can rest assured that no matter what I did in Iraq, my brothers, in Afghanistan, what we did in the war on terror, even though it's over for now, there's always another war or conflict brewing just around the corner. And you can rest assured that there will be a conflict or war for my kids to endure and your kids and the other kids around the country, around the world. There will always be fighting. I hate it. I don't want it. I definitely don't want it on our own soil. So when I hear people constantly telling me, get ready for the fight, Dex. Stay ready. We got to be ready to fight for this country. Time to pick up arms. I hate that more than anything. Because I have seen the bloodshed of war. I have shed my blood in war. I've seen my brothers shed their blood in war, and it is ugly, and it sticks with you forever. Until the day I die, the eight months I spent in Iraq will be with me forever. My kids, they get to live with it, even though they weren't alive at the time. Sometimes I'll be sitting, eating dinner, or doing something, and I don't know why, I just start staring off into the distance. And I start randomly thinking about something I saw in Iraq or something. Or when I was laying on the ground looking at the stars after my vehicle was blown up and I was ready to die. And I just stare into the abyss, man. And my daughter will come up to me and snap her fingers. Daddy, daddy, hey, you're doing it again. Come back. You're staring into nothing, dad. You okay? And I, I literally have to shake myself too. Like, oh, yeah, I'm fine, sweetie. I'm fine. See, I don't want my kids to know that. See, they can look at me and see what war does to a person. And I'm a mild case, I'll be honest. I have my issues, but lo and behold, I am far better off than a lot of people. That's why I try not to complain too much about having PTSD and all these other issues. Because I've seen, I have friends that are so much worse off than me, but I am still affected. And because I went to war and experienced war, my kids are affected, my wife is affected. Anybody that's attached to me is affected by what I went through and what I saw and what I did. So I can only hope and pray that the only experience my kids have with war is through their relationship with me and seeing me battle with PTSD and the memories I have from being in combat and almost being killed. That's the, that's the extent of what I want my kids to experience with war. I would love for my kids to have peace, but like I said, peace is an illusion. It is not real. It will never be real in this world or on this earth because people are evil. But the good thing is, I believe in people, in the good of mankind and the good in humanity, that I want my kids to feel the urge to serve if they see evil occurring. And somebody has to step in and stop evil because we know evil only triumphs when good men and women do nothing.
I said, I don't want my kids to go to war. But if there's evil to be fought, I want my kids to be the good in this world that is going to stand up and have the courage to face evil and stop it dead in its tracks. That's what I want. I said, I pray that it never happens, but I know this world all too well. I know politicians and governments all too well. Yes, the war on terror is over for the most part. But as I said, there's another conflict around the corner brewing. And somebody's going to have to go fight that war. My war fighting days are over. I wish, you know, I, still, I still tell myself that I'm still the young 20, 20 year old guy walking around with a machine gun and a bulletproof vest. And I still tell myself that I'm that same badass, but physically I'm not. I try to, I try to pretend like I am, but I know I'm not. You know, the warrior spirit and the spirit of being a warfighter still dwells in me. I'm not as fast as I used to be. I'm not as sharp as I used to be. But I'm a better man now that I'm older. And now that I'm older and wiser, I desire peace now more than ever. That's all I want. I just want to be a peace man. But I know that I will never achieve true peace in this lifetime. It, it won't happen. It'll never happen. I know that the only time I'm going to achieve true peace is when I die and go to heaven. But until that time, there's evil still to be fought. And I'm going to do my part to fight the evil that I can on the streets as a police officer. And I'm going to do my part to fight the evil to make sure that I set the example for not just my children, but other people that might be watching me. Because there's no way that as long as I'm alive and breathing... That I am going to let evil triumph in front of me. Not happening. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the I Am Pits podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. You can listen to the I Am Pits podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. If you all could, please go to Apple iTunes and rate the show and leave a comment. Or any other platform that you use to listen to the show. I can't thank you all enough for tuning in and listening to me ramble and stutter <laughs> i really I, it means the world to me that people actually listen to this show so i just like to ask you all to like i said you know share put the word out about the show and just continue to tune in i'm going to continue to try to keep content good and putting stuff out so thank you all for tuning in you all mean the world to me and remember peace is an illusion so be ready to do the unthinkable if your peace is disturbed. Have a good one, ladies and gentlemen.